Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey there, Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting. Dodo Birds and Leaky Black, Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, please go ahead and smash that like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel yet, uh, shame on you. But go ahead and knock that out while you're here. It's been a busy week in the sport of college basketball. Run you through a few headlines real quick. Louisville's non-punishment is now official. Kansas has suspended Bill Self and Curtis Townsend four games each to start the season for their role in the Jayhawks IARP case. And Gonzaga's athletic director uh, met with Big 12 commissioner about maybe moving the Zags into a power conference. We're going to touch on all of this stuff before I shout out Devin Downey, uh, I promise. But let's start with the Louisville case. That's the news from this morning. Norlander had it first. Louisville's IARP case that covered many years and multiple coaches resulted in no significant punishment, no postseason ban, nothing for Rick Patino, nothing for Chris Mack, just two years probation, small fines, some minor recruiting restrictions, and show cause penalties for former assistants Kenny Johnson and Jordan Fair. Deadleg, I'll let you take it from here. Just your initial thoughts on Louisville's IARP punishment that is similar to, to Memphis's IARP punishment in the sense that it amounts to, to basically nothing. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a fair way of, of laying it out there. Um, we are now through three cases with the IARP. There was NC State that was ruled on. There was Memphis, and now there is Louisville. Uh, the Memphis stuff is still fresh in the minds of our audience. So, you know, no postseason ban uh, and, you know, relatively light, all things considered there with that one. NC State was avoided a postseason ban when that decision came down. If you've lost all track of uh, of time with this stuff, I don't blame you. Uh, quite frankly, as people required and paid to cover the stuff, uh, the timelines can blur. That was last December. So we are, uh, you know, 10 and a half, 11 months removed from that. Uh, you know, they got one year's worth of probation. Remember, Mark Gottfried was out, out of there. The uh, the assistant that was involved, Orlando Early, was out of there. Dennis Smith Jr. had was long gone since then. Uh, many of the parties involved at NC State, they dodged it. Same thing with Louisville. Not only is Patino gone, but he, like, <laughs> like four coaches removed from when Patino was there. And so um, I think a lot of what went into this, and I was on the media call earlier today with the IARP, and, you know, that was... Somewhat helpful, to be honest. Like these things could still use so much more transparency. Uh, was I surprised by this? I think I was a little bit only in, in just how light it was because of the fact that Louisville was on probation stemming from the violations that led them to take down the banner from 2013 to begin with. That's a whole other thing. 
you know, that's that's we're not we don't even need to get into, uh, you know, the, the, the stri- strippers and all that. That's that's <laughs> GP. That's a that's an eon ago. The Louisville players were having premarital sex oh, on campus. More of us. <laughs> More of us. All right. So the point is, and by the way, Patino has since spoken. He's actually in the middle of finishing up his media availability, but we didn't. We wanted to get to this podcast to you live on YouTube as, as quickly as possible. Too. So we heard what he said to start with, and we'll see if he if he says anything else that's interesting. We'll we'll mention it here. Patino is saying the 2013 banner should get back up, and he actually he said just as we went live that he thinks that one day they will put the banner back up. I would. I think that's true. I think eventually. I'm not saying it'll be next week or in the next two years. But 10, 15 years from now, will they eventually will we eventually look back and say, what are we doing here? Just let them hang the damn thing. I think that will eventually happen. I think one day eventually, before Shane Bohannon is 50 years old and Luke Hancock is a grandfather, I think that banner is back up. Agree or disagree? Uh, I I I I would doubt it. Okay. I mean, I obviously have no it's idea. Not, no, it's still but, that's, yeah, that's but, but I would doing. doubt it if only because like that's never happened. <laughs> but but at what point does whether it's Louisville's 2013 championship banner or Memphis's 2008 Final Four banner, yeah. you just say, you know what? We're, we're putting the banner on. What are you going to do about it? I, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> what are they going to do about it? I, you know, be defiant. Memphis, Memphis in particular, it was defiant, and look what happened. Yeah. I'm just saying. I, 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 actually, I would get a bigger banner. Yeah. And while, while we're at it, go, Memphis, put up your 85 Final Four banner, too. <laughs> Just put everything up. Put up the banner outside FedEx Forum. Make it be half the building. You know, paint the damn thing with the banner. Exactly. <laughs> with, with a mural of James Wiseman. Just yeah. go just go all the way with it. I think we might eventually get to that point where, you know, time heals all wounds and all that kind of stuff. But yes, after more than five years, GP, Louisville has been living with this for more than 1,800 days. And here's, you know, the damage done. $5,000 fine. They get a two-week ban on unofficial visits for this academic year. They get a two-week ban on any kind of recruiting, quote-unquote, communication. That's telephone or, quote-unquote, written correspondence uh, during the next academic year. They have a seven-day dock on in-person recruiting days. They're on two years' worth of probation. Although, what the hell does that mean? They were on probation to begin with. None of it matters. None of it matters. Louisville should get get Adidas to pay the $5,000 fine in cash. It basically probably they should get TJ Gasnola to deliver the fine in cash in a bag. I, I I'm not even saying that Louisville should have been hammered here. All I'm saying is you put teams on. This is like Seinfeld in the reservation. You know how to hand out probation. You just don't know how to punish when on probation. Anyone can just hand them out. That's not here. They broke the rules while on probation. The the guy who ran this IARP call earlier today said, if you check page 82 of the, of the ruling, you'll see that probation was, was a, was a factor in this uh, DeCourcy shouts to Mike DeCourcy. He actually, he was the first question on the call. Uh, you cannot tell me that the punishments handed out have any kind of reflection on Louisville having rule breaking while it was on probation. Like, what, like it's, it's why it's like what they're essentially saying is, you know, the punishment was going to be 2,500, but because they were on probation, we made it five grand. Like, right? what are we like? And let me be clear, I don't care. Yeah. At this point, I don't care. Like I, I just be fine with everybody just getting off and moving on. And who cares? You cannot make me care anymore about this stuff. But like if you're going to I don't if you got a, a panel in place to hand out punishments, it's wild to me that nobody really gets punished. 
Double secret, twice public, non-existent probation. There we go. And so Rick Pitino, completely exonerated. Chris Mack, who's, remember when Chris Mack, again, Chris Mack in a heat of the moment was attempted extortion attempts by his former <laughs> assistant. That's also part of this case. You know, it, terrible extortion. It was folded into Amateur. this. Amateur stuff. Amateur stuff. We've we've previously gone over extortion. Gary Parrish is our resident extortion expert. Again, he continues right. to say this on the record yeah. on things that will live both in podcast form, digitally, visually for the years, perhaps decades, perhaps in perpetuity. He is saying this. I would advise him against that. But again, again, I'm not the extortion expert, so I can't speak to that overall. So that was also part of this. Chris Mack, nothing. Obviously, Mack is not uh, employed at the D1 institution right now. That's well by his choice. He got quite a quite a nice little payday to not coach Louisville anymore. And we'll see if and when he ever decides to return to coaching. But there's nothing attached to him. You know, that there's nothing that would preclude him from being hired by a major university. So the punishments that went down. Jordan Ferrett, the former Louisville assistant who was fired in 2017 and hasn't worked in D1 since, he got a two-year show cause order, which is effective moving forward. And then Kenny Johnson, who was previously at LaSalle, he was hired this past offseason by Archie Miller at Rhode Island. And obviously, you got to think Rhode Island did as much of a diligent job as it could in doing this, considering LaSalle cleared him and then Rhode Island cleared him. He got a weird one, man. And I did ask about this on the call. So he has a two-year show cause order, but the the show cause means he can't recruit for Rhode Island in April and July, the two live periods for grassroots basketball. He can't do that for next year and in 2024. So it basically adds up to about 10 to maybe 12 weeks total that he can't recruit for Rhode Island on the grassroots, can't be involved in that. But every other time of the year, he's going to be a fully functioning assistant coach. He'll be on the bench in practices. He'll be, he can go do recruiting right now for Rhode Island. And I asked why that was the case and basically got told he initially misled investigators in 2019. And then when it came back around, whenever that follow-up interview or interviews happen, he was more forthcoming. He was much more transparent and he was basically an easier witness to deal with. And because of that, that's why they kind of split this down the middle and they, you know, he was involved in an illegal recruiting bump back, uh, you know, back in 2016, 2017. And they determined, well, since that's when you broke the rules, we're going to say you can't do this for the next two years. So that's the biggest thing. Otherwise uh, it's largely a nothing burger for Louisville. We await Kansas, Arizona, LSU. That's going to come down the pike there. I thought there might be something just a little bit more because they were on probation, but I was wrong. And in fact, that at this point, you're a fan of Kansas or Arizona or Louisville, excuse me, LSU, and you're wondering if this reads, if this is you know a, a tea leaf reading situation. I mean, maybe. Maybe Parrish, but I get, I'm going to repeat what I said after the Memphis one. I'm not going to say with extreme confidence on any of this stuff because... There was one level one violation assessed according to the IIRP in this case. Okay. You know, Kansas has five. Uh, Arizona has even more than that, although I think only one sticks to Miller, maybe one, maybe two. I think it's one that actually is attached to Miller, but there are uh, like eight or nine that were initially charged against Arizona. And then LSU, like literally Will Wade's caught on a wiretap talking about paying players and like, you know, openly doing it in a joking manner with Christian Dawkins. So I don't know. If you want to say, that what the IARP said in its statement and in its case here and basically like this weird justification of what Adidas was promoting and how it was interested in, in only furthering its own 
business endeavors and kind of separating the reality of how shoe companies and basketball programs and athletic departments work, then yeah, I think you will have a, a, a lot of optimism if, and say you're a Kansas fan, right? Uh, where no money was alleged to have uh, um, changed hands on the on the face on the level that it did with 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 Louisville. There, it's more like Billy Preston. You know, there were allegations there. It was Curtis Townsend, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know, but Patino is now the coach at Iona. And when you look at what this happened with this case, Parish, it's uh, man, it's a whole lot of work for a whole lot of nothing. And maybe that's the damn point of this whole thing. Like, there's been a lot of people that have been saying for a long time that you know this this process and any kind of punishments that would be coming down would be over the top and unnecessary and a waste of time. And if you want to make that argument uh, on either side of that aisle, there, I, I think you might have a case. What are your thoughts? Um, how about Louisville firing its Hall of Fame coach? And and by extension, punishing him more than the IARP ultimately did. Yes, yes. Like at this point, if you're Louisville, you should have just kept Rick Pitino. And I under like I know that's a little bit of revisionist history. At the time, it just felt like, are you serious? Another big scandal connected to the Louisville basketball program. Everybody's got to go. Like I, I, I think I wrote that. Like you know. I, yeah, Parrish, we're divorced from that moment now. Right. Like in the moment, the, uh, unfortunately, like there was no denying that it was such a disaster that that had to happen. Yeah. So, but like, look, but now as we sit here on November 3rd, 2022, like it really all amounted to nothing. Tom Jurich gone, Rick Pitino gone, and everything else sort of amounted to, to, to nothing. So that's interesting as a repeat offender, as you pointed out. They could have false, uh, faced a multi-year postseason ban. And honestly, even if they got a one-year postseason ban, like, who cares? Like, they just lost to Lenore Ryan in an exhibition game by double digits. <laughs> right? Like, uh, they, they are banned from the postseason. By, for we, all are, we are. Purposes. Actually, that's what we're going to do right now. Yeah, we're banning Louisville. We're, we are. Yes. Yeah. Louisville, you're banned. You're banned. 2023, banned from the tournament. You can't play. Like I, I, we 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 did a Louisville episode in the summer shoot around, and we both were like, they're not going to be good. Like the the roster is not good. I, and then I picked them 14th in the ACC. You picked them 13th, and some Louisville fans took issue with that because you know they're fans. I I, I don't blame them, uh, but like, <laughs> you're not going to be good. So even good. if they would have got a postseason ban, it would have been what it would have been. It would have been the same fate. That they're gonna face anyway, so whatever. Um, but again, it's no postseason ban. And if you're if you're Kansas or LSU or Arizona, I don't want to go as so far as to say you're in the clear because who knows. But I'd feel pretty good. You know, I wouldn't feel good if I were Will Wade. I I, I think he can still get hit pretty good with a show cause, given that he is on a wiretap saying what he said. But if I'm and I don't know how I'd feel if I'm Sean Miller or or the coaches involved. Uh, I still think it's possible, you know, Bill Self could get a, 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 a an additional suspension in in you know on top of what Kansas has self imposed, which is something we'll get to here in a second. Uh, but if you're the Kansas basketball program, the LSU basketball program, the Arizona basketball program, the only thing that really matters is postseason bans. That's it. Nobody cares about a five thousand dollar fine. Nobody cares about clearly probation doesn't matter. Um, you know, oh, can't go out on the road. Who cares? I had a head coach text me this morning and be like, not having an assistant on the grassroots circuit is not that big of a deal. It just doesn't really matter. 
You know, like that's an evaluation. Those are evaluation periods anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, like, do you really need does, does Arch really need Kenny Johnson to say, hey, I, I found somebody <laughs> playing so for the legwork actually happens outside of those events. Yes. events they're they are critical for player development and kind of validating if you're going to offer a, like they do matter. But in terms of like the reasons why you want to have a good staff and to be able to uh, recruit so much of that actually happens outside of April and July. Yeah, the truth is that at Peach Jam, which is what, you know, in part what this would cover. Like th- those coaches are sitting around talking to me and you <laughs> just as much as they're watching basketball. I, I don't want to get too off on a tangent here, but Paris, sometimes there have been cases where I like, I- I've been talking to a coach for like, there's like five minutes left in the game. And I'm like, are we good? Like, I don't want to distract you from like, you literally like you're kind of supposed to be watching and we've there's, you can't. Now that being said, some of these coaches, like this is how different they're wired from us. Some of these, I've had coaches be like, no, I'm good, man. Like that guy right there. He's had like, you know, he's like, 13 points, maybe missed half a shot, six boards, four assists. And then you check the stat line and it's like scary close how they can kind of do. Yeah, they're, they're good at that. But the truth is they don't need to see a lot. Correct. Yeah. Um, I, I my One of my favorite Peach Jam stories, and we are getting off on a little bit, but we'll, we'll circle back, I promise. But one of my favorite Peach Jam stories is when Rick Barnes was at Texas and one of his assistants I was sitting with and Rick came and sat down with us. and. Rick had, there was an unheralded player at the time, unheralded player, not in the top 100. And, but the assistant liked them and wanted Rick to see him. And I swear to God, Rick sat down and said, okay, what, what, no, it was, it was like this. You're watching number 12. Mm-hmm. It was like that. Keep your eyes on number 12 in the red Jersey, something like that. And Rick watched him run up and down the court four times and was like, yeah, let's offer. That's all he needed to see. And you know who it was? Jeremy Lamb. Durant. It was Jeremy Lamb. Okay. At the, no, it wasn't Kevin Durant. At the, <laughs> but like, it, this wasn't like a five-star guy. At the time, Jeremy Lamb was just a guy. He was mm-hmm. just like a sub-100, mostly unknown guy. Rick watched him run up down the court four times and said, yeah, let's offer. And that, that, that's all he needed to see. So the, the idea that, ooh, Rhode Island's in trouble, or Kenny Johnson's not going to be able to watch grassroots games like it does. It, I'm not saying it doesn't matter at all. I'm just saying it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter much. And there is nothing more hilarious than the quote from the IARP chairman who said it was uh, their interpretation that Adidas was primarily motivated by, by brand promotion and that it was just trying to take steps to promote its brand when it essentially bought Brian Bowen for Louisville. The closest button I could possibly hit for that statement is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what? I mean, what? Like Adidas has Damian Lillard, Trey Young, Andrew Wiggins, Jamal Murray, Anthony Edwards, Donovan Mitchell, Derek Rose, James Harden, Evan Mobley, Fred Van Vliet. You got the list. Jalen Brown, John Wall, Jalen Suggs, Zach Levine. That's but called it, podcast prep. But it needed Brian Bowen to promote its brand. Are you serious? In other sports, they got Aaron Judge, Alex Bregman, Chris Bryant, Trey Turner, Dustin Johnson, Colin Morikawa, Candace Parker. There must be one or two major international football players, too. Sure. Uh, Kareem Benzema, Tomas Muller, Lionel Messi. Messi, there we go. <laughs> Messi is like 10 NBA players combined. They've so got two a tongue of a low Von Miller, Aaron Rodgers, but they need right. they need Brian Bowen to promote their brand. 
Are what? The people handing out these punishments in these cases undeniably have no idea how the sport they're operating in actually works. It would be like putting me on a panel to handle U.S. securities and exchange cases. Like, what, 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 what do I know about market manipulation? I, these people, I know as much about market manipulation. Literally on the most recent podcast said, I want to gamble on my 401k. So the answer to that is almost nothing. Perhaps you're proving my point. <laughs> so, so like these, these people handling these cases know as much about these cases or as much about the sport of college basketball as I know about that stuff. Um, which is why this whole thing is proving to be mostly just a, a crazy waste of time and money and it's why the IARP will soon no longer exist it's pointless um it's even Don't worse tell that to Rick Patino there's yeah, I, no bigger fan of, <laughs> I'm serious there is no bigger fan of the IARP than Rick he was waxing poetic wax he, uh, could not have been more in favor of the existence and continued employment of the IARP this is in all seriousness, and we understand quite clearly why. But yes, to GP's great. Well, as long as as long as the IRIP just thinks uh, shoe companies are out there buying players for schools just to promote their brand, not to actually help the schools. If I were a college basketball coach, that that's what I'd want to keep them around as well. But they're going away because this whole thing is like even worse than the skeptics who always thought it would be an ineffective uh, committee, um, a terrible deal like this it's even worse than the skeptics you know thought it would be let me circle back because i think i was making a point and then just you know start talking about rick barnes at peach jam or something um if i'm kansas lsu arizona the basketball programs i i feel pretty good because what the iarp and especially feel good if i'm kansas and i think i'm going to write about this later on today um the iarp has has now made two things very very clear one they don't think shoe companies buying players is is actually for the school. They think it's just to promote a brand, which is obviously nonsensical, but that, that's what they said. Yes. I mean, do you understand? They literally have TJ Gasnola on a wiretap explaining why he wants to get players for Kansas. And and the IRP, they're like, yeah, but we don't we don't think he knows what he's talking about. We actually think Adidas is just trying to promote its brand. Yeah, they got Messi and Aaron Judge, but they need Silvio DeSouza as well. <laughs> what are we talking about? It's just crazy. So IRAP has made it clear. We don't, we don't think that's, we don't think that, that the shoe companies were trying to help Louisville. So how can you say that you think the shoe company was trying to help Kansas? So that's great if you're Kansas. And then they have now said multiple times in multiple cases, we don't want to impact current student athletes. You can't put a postseason bet on somebody without impacting current student athletes. So if I'm Kansas, and I know that they don't want to impact current student athletes and they don't think shoe companies are actually helping schools. I'm feeling pretty good right now. Uh, meanwhile, I have, I heard from Oklahoma state fans continually rightfully bitter over what happened there. Yes. Obviously Oklahoma state was adjudicated on by the committee on infractions, not the IARP that turned out to be a misstep. I was also informed of the existence of something known as, Luanon <laughs> earlier this morning, not QAnon, Luanon uh, over the uh, 
you know, the persecution of their program over the past five years, uh, Lou Anon was proven correct. So congrats to Louisville fans who were hoping for the best. And I get, I got the sense that a lot of them were really bracing for much something much more harsh than this. Uh, but the program was spared. And it's also been five years. This was also asked on the call today to Dan Benke, I believe it was, the, uh, the chief of the IRP. We've referenced him, but I haven't named him by name until now. Uh, basically asked if... You know, the fact that this took so long was also a factor in Louisville getting off so lightly. And uh, Dan said, uh, we acknowledge that was a that was a part of this, but it did not factor on, into our decision. I don't know if that's true or not, but Louisville has suffered. I mean, it, it's in similar ways that North Carolina suffered over its own deal. I mean, Louisville Syracuse. lost its great coach and great athletic director. Whatever you think about them walking between the lines, Louisville had one of the best athletic directors in the country and one of the best college basketball coaches of all time. Yeah, when you don't have them anymore, you have suffered. Yeah, and ev- there's no one there from that from that administration period. Like it is a completely new uh, department in terms of people and places of power and anyone on a basketball staff. It's completely changed over entirely. So I get that. And in, in the grand view, like this does make sense to me. Um, I'm, you know. And just trying to scan some reaction here, some commentary throughout the morning. Um, I don't, I'm not picking up on an overwhelming amount of like Louisville should have been completely hammered. There's some of that, uh, but there's a lot of this whole process is a joke. I get that. I even get if you're listening to this podcast and you almost like curse in a cursory way, try and track these things, you're like, IARP, that's not the NCAA. Like, I get it, man. Like, there is plenty of reason why uh, you would have cynicism over this entire process there but louisville's finally done uh whether or not this has any impact on you know the recruitment of dj wagner we've talked about that previously uh signs seem to be pointing that he is going to kentucky maybe this is maybe this is the thing that will that will change that i can't say that would or wouldn't be the case there but that's this is louisville fans have real reason to have uh some optimism going forward that being said we know the program is not expecting to be all that good uh, this season here but uh this is finally done and now we wait I'm pretty sure Arizona will be next. And the question is whether or not we get Arizona before we flip the calendar to 2023. Yeah, my my perception is that a combination of the amount of time between the allegation and the punishment, um, the combination of that with the fact that if Adidas wanted to buy a player for Louisville today, it would be like you can do that. Just like Nike can buy players for for Nike schools and Under Armour can buy players that are on NIL deals. That's right. Shoe companies already. Yeah. that's So given that it's been so long and there's like, you know, it's Jurich isn't there anymore. Patino isn't there anymore. And, and that, you know, even if you think what they did was wrong and the IRP said, no, it's not. They they basically said it doesn't, but like, even if you think it was legal now and I just, my perception is people just don't care. Like people are fine. And that's certainly my perspective as well. I just don't care. You know, it's like, whatever. Let's just, we we are operating in a new world. And so I don't think many people care too much about people barely being punished at all for violations that occurred in the old world. Yep. Now, now we might find out like if, if Will Wade were just let off scot-free, I think people might... There's, but there's like, we've heard the tapes on that. Yeah. And again, I, I just think the fact that this just, there's no one there now that was even remotely there then. I don't know. The, yeah, I don't, I, 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 I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I, I'm sure you can find something on it, or I assume you can find something on a Kentucky message board. But my, my perception is most, most people don't care that Louisville didn't really get punished. It's just, uh, you know, 
Um, it, those people don't care. And I, I don't care as well. Um, let's move on. Cause there was some news on, I've lost Wednesday. complete track of days. Uh, Wednesday, Wednesday uh, connected to Kansas, uh, that, that basketball program athletic department announced that Bill Self and Curtis Townsend, uh, will start the season serving a four game suspension for their roles in KU's IARP case. This is clearly a move designed to to hopefully lighten whatever punishment might come their way. Um, but 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 based on the Louisville case and the Memphis case, I suppose it's possible KU overpunished its Hall of Fame coach. We'll talk about that next, but first, a word from our partners. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. So on Wednesday, Kansas announced that Bill Self and Curtis Townsend, that's the Hall of Fame coach and uh, one of the most well-known, best assistants in the country, um, they're going to start the season serving a four-game suspension for their role in KU's IARP uh, case. That means that Bill is not going to be coaching uh, Kansas in the season opener against Omaha, second game against North Dakota State, Champions Classic against Duke, and then a bye game against Southern Utah. He'll be back for the battle for Atlantis. That's NC State on November 23rd. Uh, followed by either Dayton or Wisconsin. And then uh, the Jayhawks would play either Tennessee, USC, BYU, or Butler. If they win the first two games, it'd probably be Tennessee or USC. And based on what Tennessee did to Gonzaga the other night, maybe Tennessee's the favorite to come out of the other side uh, of that bracket. Did, did Kansas overpunish it? Based on where we are now, did the Kansas overpunish Bill Self and, and Curtis Townsend? By the way, Norm Roberts, uh, yeah. former head coach at St. John's, going to serve as the uh, acting head coach while Bill is uh, is is temporarily sidelined. A wild timing on this. Can't think that Kansas knew this was going to come down specifically today with Louisville. Uh, so the fact that they announced this. All right. So couple couple things on my end from here. Uh, I don't know this as fact fact, but my impression in having tracked this behind the scenes, I think that these the suspensions for Self and Townsend. Uh, I think at the very least, an understanding that there would be a self-imposed suspension, pun not intended, uh, that was known for quite a while. Because um, Kansas already determined in the spring that Self and Townsend would be taken off the road, right? So that was already known. And at that time, I reported that news in July. Uh, I had received an indication that... Uh, Bill Self was preparing for the possibility that he would be suspended for this upcoming season. What it was not clear to me at that point was if it was, you know, going to be a self-administered thing like the recruiting stuff was, or 
if it would be the IARP case landing in time. Uh, and it's clearly it's the former here. So there's a chance that Kansas knew this was had, was going to be a thing for months and months. And they just decided to wait and literally until November before announcing it. Uh, but announced that they did on on Wednesday there. And you won't have sell for four games. The, the subplot to all this is that and even put aside what we just talked about with the Louisville stuff for the first half of this podcast episode, both publicly and privately, Kansas and Bill Self uh, have been aggressive in their pushback against the NCAA and to an extension now the IARP, which is technically you know, defined as an independent arm of the NCAA process about not cooperating, pushing back on every single word and every note, you know, every graph in the notice of allegations and, and, and standing firm. This is not that parish. This is taking your two, you know, your, your hall of fame head coach and your lead assistant off the road for April and July. And that does have, that has symbolic significance certainly, and can be used against you in the all important recruiting wars. So you, you do that. You say, we're going to pull you off the, the sideline for the first four games of the season. Uh, how they came to that exact number, I don't know. I do find it to be an interesting number nonetheless there. And, you know, there's a, they're taking away three scholarships over the next three years. They're, these are small things, but they still do add up. Um, they lost four official visits uh, for both this year and next year. They weren't allowed to have any official visits for late night in the fog. And while like listeners might hear that and think whatever, uh, from a program standpoint, that stuff actually does matter. Like having recruits come on official visits for your midnight madness type event is considered one of the bigger things for your program from a recruiting perspective on an annual basis. So they did get they did offer up that as a self-imposed punishment. There will be a six week ban on all unofficial visits on recruiting communications and recruiting days for this upcoming year. So they've actually put forth a lot here. The question is, with everything they've done, the four-game suspension gets the most noise. It's the biggest headline. We get all that. Self just won the national championship. He will not be coaching his team when the regular season starts. That's obviously a very notable thing. Uh, Will this all offset whatever the IARP is going to determine with Kansas? I, I don't know. Again, there are five level one violations that have been plastered against this program, including lack of institutional control and a head coaching control card charge against Bill Self. Sean Miller has an identical one that uh, that he's awaiting with his fate from his time at Arizona. The question becomes, do we really think after seeing what happened or didn't happen with NC State, Memphis, and Louisville, does Kansas stand to actually face a postseason ban in what would be the year 2024? I don't, there's not going to be anything that comes down this season that would impact Kansas this season. So is there any kind of postseason ban that would come down? If not, are Self and Townsend looking at identical future suspensions from the IARP or would Self as the head coach actually be punished more aggressively than Townsend who, you know, through discovery and in the FBI case, you know, Townsend was, was on the phone at least entertaining the idea of what do we need to do to convince Zion Williamson that Kansas is the right place for him has to be mentioned here. Zion Williamson played on the Adidas circuit. Kansas is an Adidas school. TJ Gasnola did work at Adidas and testified under oath about how he needed to try and help Bill Self get better players to keep up with her. All this stuff is a factor in this. The question becomes how significant will it be? Again, Louisville had one level one violation right now. Kansas has five. I don't know if any of those get taken off the books when this thing gets decided, but I still think that self is going to probably face another significant punishment. The question is, how long would a suspension be? You and I have both heard a little bit of buzz of like, maybe it won't be anything in the regular season. Might there be a postseason affected 
suspension with self down the road. I don't know, uh, but certainly this is this is notable, and all the more because Bill Self is considered arguably the best coach in the game, and he he, he just won a title. Like he just won a title, big time year for Kansas and all that. But uh, but they're going to still live with this case looming over the program. And the effects of it, GP, I think it'll, when you include it not being resolved and the effects of the case, like I still think this is going to be something attached to Kansas for at least another year. Like they're not going to be saying we've now like Louisville can say we basically moved on, even though they're on probation. I don't know if that's the case with Kansas. It still might have a little bit of a longer tail. You know, you, you touched on it, but but I think it's important to to expand on it a, a little bit. Um, the way you're you're terming it is correct. Kansas is facing five level one violations. And what that meant in a previous world is that you were going to be convicted of five level one violations, but that's not what it means anymore. Like the IRP, IARP has, has shown, um, you know, just be, they'll just say, we don't think that was a violation. So forget about it. And at this point, I, I think to hit Kansas with a postseason ban, but would be wildly inconsistent with what you've already done. Like, if you don't think Adidas was trying to help Louisville, how could you then claim that Adidas was trying to help uh, Kansas? And, and even though, even though, let me be clear, I'm not stupid. Of course, Adidas was trying to help Louisville. And of course, Adidas was trying to help Kansas. TJ Gasnola is literally on a wiretap explaining how Kansas is at first and everybody else is, is behind them in the line of, I'm trying to help get players. Uh, he's on a wiretap talking about, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry I couldn't get DeAndre Ayton done for you, but I'm working hard on this other stuff. Exactly. So, yeah. like the 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 fact that the IRP IARP can 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 know that that exists and still say we don't think Adidas was trying to help anybody except just promote this brand. I mean, it is comically ridiculous. But that's where we're at. And if you now go and and try to to take a different. Uh, uh, stance with Kansas than you did with Louisville. Uh, to me, that's wildly in- inconsistent. So I- if you don't want to punish current student athletes, which is what the IARP keeps saying, and if you don't I think, know, and if you don't still- think Adidas was helping Louisville by buying Brian Bowen, I don't know how you can reach the point where you think Adidas was helping Kansas by, you know, buying players. And so what, th- what's left? There's, there's something to that. The only thing that's left is Kansas, Appointed Bill Self, uh, what equates to a lifetime contract, and Curtis Townsend is still there. There, there are still people there. But, but that, that's the that's the one big difference. You might not be wrong on this, by the no, way. No, I got I, it. But I, like, but, say the same thing to me this morning. They're like, if I'm Kansas, I feel particularly good about this. When I listen to but, these, but, 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 calls, but the, the only president, that's all. The only thing where it it should matter, based on the precedent they seem to be setting, is like if if they said okay. We're not going to punish Louisville, but we are going to punish Rick Pitino. Mm-hmm. Then, then that would matter. Like they still got Bill Self. Like if yeah. if you're not punishing Rick Pitino and you're not punishing Louisville, what are you doing with Kansas and Bill Self? I don't. You know. Again, we'll see. Who knows? But if I'm Kansas, I I feel I feel pretty good. And I do want to say this in case it ever gets lost. Um, from my perspective, like we don't have to lie to each other. We don't have to be dumb. Uh, of course, Adidas was trying to help Kansas get players. Uh, of course, and 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 Bill Self was, you know, in phone calls with TJ Gasnola discussing this stuff. Um, but whatever Adidas did to help Kansas is no different 
And whatever Adidas did to help Louisville is no different than what Nike has done to help Nike schools and what Under Armour has done to help Under Armour schools. The only difference is that the wiretaps were connected to Adidas people and not Nike people and not Under Armour people. That's it. So it is what happened at Kansas happened at Kansas. I, I'll never play dumb, mm-hmm. but but it's not unique to Kansas and it's not unique to Adidas. And I, I remember when all this came out, like it, it's it is on the record that Kansas was willing to do a deal to get Zion Williamson. That that at least at least that's what was implied. That that Adidas was willing to try to help Kansas get Zion Williamson any means necessary. And it is also believed that Zion's stepfather was ready to do a deal. That that that, that was the the genesis of the phone call. Hey, here's what they're looking for. And if you take all that at face value, well, then how does Zion Williamson end up in a Nike school? You know, that, that's a question that Kansas fans and all sorts of fans have, have asked many, many times. Sure. So, like, do, do, is it reasonable to assume Zion Williamson's family um, rejected a, an, a, a, an offer that seemed to, if not exist, could have been there? from Adidas slash Kansas to go play for a program like Kansas. It's not like we're asking him to go play at Washington state for a deal or even Clemson for a deal. This is Kansas. Is it reasonable to think you turn down, you're looking for a deal and you turn down a deal to go to Kansas to go somewhere else for nothing. It's not reasonable from my perspective to, to believe that. And so whether Kansas should be punished or not, you can reasonably debate, but there's nothing unique to the Adidas Kansas situation or the Adidas Louisville situation. That that stuff goes on with Nike had has gone on with Nike and has gone on with Under Armour. Ask literally any coach in the country, they'll tell you the same thing. And so I, I hope that that never gets lost. That's not a defense of Kansas or an excuse for Kansas, as much as it's an explanation for how the tip top of the sport worked in those times and, and honestly for for decades prior. But all that said, as we sit here and we're waiting for Kansas to be punished or not, if I'm Bill Self, if I'm um, anybody who works in that athletic department, I feel better today than I've ever felt about the likelihood of avoiding a, a postseason ban for my program. Maybe Bill gets some additional games. Maybe Curtis gets a show calls. Maybe they both get some combination of that stuff. I don't know. But I genuinely believe the only thing that is a real gut punch is a postseason ban. And at this point, I don't see how you can reasonably give Kansas one if you're not handing them out to anybody else. Yeah. Um I know the only difference at this point, I'm not saying this will make the clinch at GP. I'm just, uh, we'll see if the amount of level ones assessed and the fact that they decided to keep Bill Self on staff and like Kansas has no regrets over this. We'll see if that winds up being a factor when that comes down. I'm told the expectation on that isn't until like it could be February at the earliest, might even be after the season as it, as it pertains to Kansas. Keep that in mind before we get to Gonzaga. I also want to note, and I got a text earlier on this uh, kind of a heads up, you know, Jim Gatto, who was the Adidas executive who, you know, 99.9% of the people listening to this podcast couldn't pick Jim Gatto out of a lineup. They don't, they don't know who he is and, and, and whatever, but he was one of the, the, the parties on trial 
he just got out of prison like two weeks ago. He served, you know, he finally served his, his nine months. He's the guy who Kansas shamelessly, when it was painting itself a victim, sued for more than a million dollars. And, you know, a couple of years back, they finally struck a deal. I mean, Jim Gatto had to, in effect, cut a check for $342,437.25 to Kansas and NC State because those schools were, quote unquote, the victim, which has always been a ridiculous narrative. And it felt particularly spiteful on behalf of Kansas with all of this stuff. Um, so I'm curious as to uh, how Jim Gatto feels with all this, because this is someone who was not a super shady character greasing the wheels for all of these programs so they could cheat at the highest levels. When you really get into like what he was assigned to do day to day with Adidas, it's to maintain relationships with coaches and to help Adidas run a grassroots operation that could compete with the likes, frankly, of Nike. And at the time, like Under Armour was really scooting up there. And so he got roped in and involved in this. I'm not saying he was completely innocent or anything like that, but the level to which like a person like Jim Gatto suffers over this gets roped into a federal investigation you know he goes up against trial against the southern district of new york and the win rate there is like you know it makes nick saban's win percentage look like amateur hour um i just think about the people that got caught up in in that kind of stuff he's just fresh out of prison all of what maybe two weeks from from right now and i would assume at some point and maybe he'll tell more of his story there. But when we talk about like these these schools and and how they're they're getting off and and what they do and don't deserve, um, I just couldn't. I didn't realize that he had recently gotten out, but it was it was pointed out to me earlier today. And like those are people that faced actual crimes with all of this, like you know, and, and actual punishments with all of this. And uh, you know, a four game suspension or a ten game or fifteen game suspension seems. Uh, so ridiculously light in comparison because those are the people that uh, that really, truly, and legitimately, and literally face trial. Keep in mind that another thing working in KU's favor, or, or more specifically Bill's favor, is that TJ Gasnola literally testified under oath. Bill Self didn't know what I was doing. And, you know, you can believe that or not, but he, like, testified under oath. Yeah. And that... We can't believe that, though. I mean, of course, I don't believe that. I mean, I, 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 but, I again, but, that's one of those things where I'm saying it for the audience. I know you don't, but I'm just like providing a little more clarity. It, it just, that's not how it works if you're a really smart, intelligent person and have and are tasked with running a program at the highest level of the sport. I, I know, but like the IARP might believe it. They, you know, in fact, I think they do based on what they just said about Louisville. So if I'm if I'm Kansas, I feel great. You you coming off a national championship season you got a preseason you know top 15 team that is capable of of going to another final four who knows maybe win another national championship you have the guy who is widely recognized as the best coach in college basketball right now on a lifetime contract and you are unlikely it seems to face a postseason ban that's a that's a great place to be all things considered agreed all right let's uh Man, I thought we were gonna. I I thought I thought maybe we'd have a nice little way to ease into the start. I'm not. Com- I'm not complaining. We got plenty to talk about. I'm. I'm pumped to talk. I'm about complaining. It. I'll complain. No, you want no, me no, no. to complain about something? No. Tell me no. what to complain about. No. 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 Absolutely not. But I'm just happy a- to be off vacation. I'm happy to there be we- back at home. There we go. Yeah. There we are. So, a third major news item. This also came out on Wednesday. GP, go ahead. Take it away. 
Um, our buddy Pete Thamel at ESPN reported Wednesday night that Gonzaga's athletic director met with the Big 12 commissioner last week in Frisco, Texas, while the Zags were in town to play Tennessee in an exhibition. Pete further reported that uh, Gonzaga has also talked to the Pac-12, also talked to the Big East. So dead leg, yes or no? And that's the yes or no. That's all you can answer. Okay. Gonzaga is still going to be in the West Coast Conference five years from now. Oh, now that's the question. That is the question. I will five years from now, November 3, 2027. I'll say no. I'll, I'll say, say no, but what are you going to say? What are you going to say? I'll say no as well, because I don't think you have these conversations with this many people unless you are ready to go. All right. So let's uh, let's peel a few layers back and see if I can provide a little additional context. Um yeah, and so I, I can confirm, did confirm. I think you did as well. I, I, I've lost track. But yes, this that did happen. Thamel's report's obviously good to go, but just for purposes of, uh, of our end, uh, this did happen because Brett Yormark is a, and has he said on the publicly many times, like he's going to aggressively look at any kind of way to get the Big 12 to be as strong as it possibly can be. You've, you're losing Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, and 2025, unless something drastic changes. But, you know, you've got BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF coming in. You will be a 12-team league in that formation to be determined if there will be a 13th or a 14th team or a 15th or a 16th. So we'll see on that. Uh, as it pertains to this meeting, in in kind of sniffing a bit on this and looking a bit deeper into it, uh, yes, it happened. And certainly, like, there is significance to that. Um, I had three people tell me, that at this stage, it's not like Gonzaga going to the Big 12 is anything close to imminent. Uh, Mark Few, I, I know I've written about this previously. I don't know if I've said on the podcast, uh, and I don't know if Mark Few would talk about it publicly just yet or anything, but it just stands to reason. Like He is feverishly dedicated to leaving Gonzaga. It's going to be in a better spot than when he took the job, but he wants to make sure as best as he can that whenever he does retire, whenever that is two years from now, 10 years from now, who knows that Gonzaga is positioned to have the best chance at continued success at the level that he's been able to keep the program at for 10 plus years. And the way that you do that is to get it in a better conference or certainly a better situation than it stands to be in with the WCC, particularly with BYU jettisoning the league and going to the Big 12. So that being said, yes, he is trying to see if the Big 12 can be a thing. I can report that this is not new. Like he's been trying. It's not few is in and Gonzaga brass have been trying to engage conferences on this conversation for months and months and months and months. So uh, there is that. Um, as I understand it, the Big East, I guess anything could change at any moment with these things, GP, and I know you know that. Um, but as we sit here and talk today, this morning, like the Big East is still not like ready to open the door and invite Gonzaga in. There are many schools and presidents in that league that aren't enthusiastic about adding a Gonzaga to the fold there. So could it happen? Yes. I still don't think Gonzaga going to the Big East as of now uh, would be the more likely scenario than not. But as Val Ackerman said at Big East Media Day on the record, they will have a new media rights deal that's going to come up in about three years. And if there were any schools that were to be added, you know, she would prefer that if the Big East ever even did expand, and I don't know if it will, but if it did, that you get those things in order before your media rights deal comes in. And that brings me to my last point here. The Pac-12 needs to get off its ass and get this done, okay? Um, 
I asked around on this back in like the spring, uh, was told that because of schools like Oregon, Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, a lot of schools in the Pac-12 have no desire for Gonzaga to come into the Pac-12, which doesn't have football, so brings no value there. Uh, from a basketball standpoint, Gonzaga goes into the league, and at this point, we, you know, we didn't know UCLA was heading over to the Big Ten. Gonzaga's at worst the third best basketball program in your conference. And you obviously can make a a case for it to be right there at eye level with Arizona and UCLA. So there was not a lot of desire for the Gonzaga to come in. Uh, The PAC 12 should be aggressively trying to bring Gonzaga aboard. If for no other reason than yes, the football stuff, I understand it. It means so much to whatever you can get in your media rights deal. But at a certain point, like your men's basketball product and what you can put into the NCAA tournament and the money that you stand to make for winning games. When you win games, you get more money for your league. Having a team like that come aboard, be affiliated with that. Don't worry about Washington State would not be in a power conference if we created power conferences in the year 2022. It's in Pullman, Washington. Nothing against it, but there's no you can't tell me that because the Pac-12 and the Pac-8 formed decades and decades and decades and decades ago that the bodies that formed that league should have this overriding principle and philosophy as to why you shouldn't consider expanding and making your basketball product better. Gonzaga on, on the other side of this parish, it should be seeking and it, it, it may well be. I don't have this as reported fact. Uh, Gonzaga should want to be in the PAC 12 over any other league for many logical reasons. It, travel, West coast branding, uh, your ability to recruit in that area and to not have to deal with unnecessary, uh, you know, money issues and finances you'd have to overcome by the nature of joining in all sports and then having to travel to the middle of the country or the East coast part of the country, if you were able to join a big 12 or a big East there. So I don't understand why. And there's not, it's not to say that maybe it's not happening on the super download, but I do not get the sense right now that the powers in the PAC 12 are working as aggressively as they should be to getting Pac Gonzaga into the league. Stuart Mandel, who does a good job covering college football and has for a very, very long time, he had a tweet on Wednesday that basically said it would be embarrassing if the Big 12 managed to scoop up Gonzaga and left the Pac-12 in the dust. And he's right. Like Gonzaga can do whatever it wants to ultimately. I just think the most ideal marriage between these this institution and a conference, if indeed it's going to leave the WCC, is the Pac-12. Remains to be seen if that'll happen. I do think that it's just exploratory with the Big 12 right now. Just to circle back on my main point, then go and I'll, I'll shut the hell up here. Well, I think, yes, they're trying to get, they're trying to see if it can get done, but I don't think this is like, oh, they met with the Big 12 and let's brace for a big headline in the next couple of weeks. I don't think that's happening. I think there's still a lot, a lot of ground to cover. And if the Big 12 even wants to decide, it wants to get uh, in bed with a school that does, that brings no football to the table, GP. Go ahead. Um, well, you, 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 you said just then that Gonzaga can do whatever it wants. And, um, I guess I'm I'm asking more than I'm commenting on this. I'm asking you. You and I, we we have different sources. We I'm sure have some of the same sources. We actually don't talk too much to each other about our sources and what we hear. But like I'm sure we have some of the same sources. I'm sure we have different ones. And so I'm I'm asking you, based on your reporting, are you sure Gonzaga can do whatever it wants to do? Because I I don't think there's any doubt the Big no. Twelve, Pac twelve, Big East, um, would would consider taking Gonzaga's men's basketball program. If not totally, but mm-hmm. Gonzaga wants all of its sports in these leagues. And I think that makes it a little more complicated if you're the Big 12 or the Big East, especially because, man, yeah, you wouldn't mind sending your team to Spokane to play the men's basketball team or having them. Co- but do you want your soccer teams going to Spokane? Do you want your volleyball team going to Spokane? 
Mm-hmm. I think that makes it a little more complicated. We are talking about this from the perspective of basketball, and most people are as well. But when you are a league considering adding a program that is way up there, way far away from anything else you do, and they say, we're really only interested in this if you're willing to take all of our sports, that's – I don't want to say it's, it's, a, it's a non-starter, but it does make it more complicated. I, I agree with you. So uh, Gonzaga can do whatever it wants, meaning Gonzaga can prioritize its league of mo- of highest desire sure. in whatever order that it wants. That's yeah. So, you know, appreciate the follow up there, but that's kind of gotcha. uh, more what I meant. There. Um, yeah. I, 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 additionally, I guess here's what I'd say. Um, you said that, you know, Mark wants to leave Gonzaga in a great place. And of course he does. Every coach wants that. Um, I, I guess I would just say, it is not crystal clear to me that changing links is the best thing for Gonzaga. Valid. Um, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. And financially, I, I, it might improve their situation. That's right. That you hope it rolls downhill. That's all. Financially, it, you would make more money. But making more money does not ensure more success or even the same amount of success. Ask Nebraska. So ask, ask 12 universities that have done this. You know, right. ask Texas three years Missouri, from now. Go on down the list. We've done the list. Ask, yeah. ask, ask so many of these schools. Like these, it's- these schools chase realignment news. I mean, they, they chase new conferences, realignment, because of money. Largely because, if not entirely because of money. But it, it's not always best for your athletic department. It's best for your uh, budget. But it's not always best for your athletic department in the, as it pertains to winning. Yeah, And that's really what's the most fun thing about There's nothing more fun in college sports than winning. Having a great practice facility is great, but it's not as much fun as winning. And, and so I would certainly explore it. The Gonzaga athletic director would be crazy to not be having these conversations right now. I'd be sitting down with Big East commissioner, Big 12 commissioner, Pac-12 commissioner, and any other power conference commissioner who wants to talk to me. But then I do think it is a it's not a clear call. And I'm I'm not really saying one one way or the other. I'm just saying it's not clear to me. Sometimes things are clear to me. Like if 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 you were UAB and the SEC wanted you, that's clear to me. You got to go do that. But if you're Gonzaga and you have built this thing that is able to flourish in a mid-major league but allows you to operate at a high major level and you have quite clear, undeniably become one of the five best programs in the sport. Mm-hmm. And you can reasonably argue. I know people don't want to hear this. They played in two of the past five national championship games. They're the forever Ken Palm champs. You can reasonably argue there's no basketball program operating at a higher level more consistently than, than Gonzaga's men's basketball program. And so when you give that up, or at least alter your situation, you are risking messing it up. I'm not saying you would mess it up. I'm just saying it's on the table of things that could happen. That suddenly you find yourself in the Big 12 or the Pac-12 and, oh, wow, maybe all those people who said, if you had to play 20 games every year against these schools, home and homes, you'd find out you wouldn't be getting one seeds anymore. Like right now, there is a path every year for Gonzaga to the West Coast Conference to get a one seed in the NCAA tournament. We know that. You might find it more difficult to get one seeds, 
playing in the Big 12 or the Pac-12 or yes. the Big East. The same way I am certain Oklahoma is going to find it more difficult to get in the college football playoff from the SEC than it has been for them from the Big 12. So I'd have these conversations, but for me, it is not completely obvious that if the Pac-12 said, come on, that you do it, that the Big 12 said, come on, that you do it, that the Big East said, come on, that you do it. And for the Pac-12, it's a little more complicated beyond the reasons I've already stated because the Pac-12 doesn't appear to be stable. Right. Like, like if you're pick, let's let's for the sake of this conversation, assume that we get to a point where the Big Twelve, Big East, and Pac Twelve all say, "Come on, you have an invitation. Come with us." I'm not saying we'll get there. Just for the sake of this conversation, let's say we get there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, on a surface level, in a vacuum, you go Pac Twelve for geography reasons. But if you don't think the Pac Twelve stable then maybe you look at the Big 12 because the Big 12 is stable. And the Big East appears to be stable. Out of those conferences, the one that is most at risk of getting further diminished is, I think most people would agree, the the Pac-12. And that's another factor that you have to consider here. The conference that most aligns with Gonzaga's identity as a basketball school is the Big East. The conference that most aligns with Gonzaga's proximity is the Pac-12. The conference that most aligns with the combination of being a great basketball league, offering the most potential money and still affording you a manageable schedule and travel is the Big 12. So there's a lot to consider with all of that. Um, It also needs to be brought up here that like media rights deals do have a they are a major factor in some of these things. The Big 12 recently agreed to one. Whether or not all of the absolute fine points of that contract have been determined, I can't speak to. Most people can't speak to. Um, so that remains to be seen. The Pac-12 is currently shipping out its rights deals. Obviously, Gonzaga being in the league versus not being in the league would be a major factor in that. Would love to know the reality of that. Maybe the, maybe George Kliakoff, the Pac-12 commissioner, uh, really is working a smooth one here and is going to try and get this done. If if that is the case, it would be a change in position from the Pac-12's leadership at the presidential level versus where it was six months ago. I can tell you that definitively. We'll wait and see on that. One more note on the Big 12. I was talking with a source yesterday, and uh, they had mentioned, because this is ties right into what you were saying, GP. There remains looming curiosity over if the Big 12 can and will get the Arizona schools to come and if the Arizona schools will have to be a package or not. Uh, you know, will the Arizona schools, are they facing a barrier to entry to the Big 12 that is not identical to the way that UCLA was able to scoot out to the Big 10 and the University of California Board of Regents and all the state schools there? They they seem to be able, they're, they're, they're slipping down that canal and they might be getting some you know, some pushback on a certain level, but on a legal level, it looks like UCLA is going to be just fine. Um, whether or not, like, you know, I was told between Arizona and Arizona State, one school at this stage is more at least open to the idea than the other about maybe leaving the Pac-12 for Big 12 grounds. I actually think from, I mean, you add Arizona to the Big 12. I mean, forget about it. We're talking about a ridiculous league already if you were to get Gonzaga and Arizona. So keep that in mind. And also, Source told me that Brett Yormark is, you know, don't mistake his his curiosity 
for true intention here. Like you could have a situation. He's he is open to having a conversation with anyone and everyone, and has approached you know a few schools and other leagues that would geographically make sense to try and maybe expand the Big Twelve. You know, maybe it would be basketball for schools in addition to trying to get football stuff. So we don't know. I can see a situation down the road where the Big Twelve is the twelve. We know it's going to be. But if you told me it was two more, it was Gonzaga and say one other school that made sense as a travel travel partner in, in the Midwest or West Coast, I and they go to 14 and they want to just add their bolster the basketball product and say, no doubt about it, we're the best basketball league every year. You can't you can't refute it. Wouldn't surprise me. And if he even wanted to go to 16 and see if he could try and get Arizona and Arizona State to leave the Pac-12 to join the Big 12 and have a league from a inventory size GP that was equal to the Big Ten, which is going to be 16, and the SEC, which is going to be 16. I wouldn't put it past him either. The, obviously, if that were to happen with the Arizona stuff, it's, it's significantly destabilizing to the Pac-12. And those are the things that Pac-12 leadership are, obviously is aware of right now and needs to do everything in its power possible to prevent that. You cannot survive. Arizona football doesn't mean anything. I get that. But you can't survive as, as a, a legitimate power conference if you lose UCLA, Arizona, and don't get Gonzaga. That would be a disaster for the Pac-12. So I'm eager to see in the coming months just how successful the Pac-12's deal will be with its media rights because it's trying to get it now, streaming partners and trying to equal the Big 12's money. So a lot of those, a lot of those things are major factors behind the scenes and, and we'll wait and see. But I do think, circle back, put a bow on it. My prediction right now, five years from now, Gonzaga will not be in the WCC. But if it decided to stay because of the reasons you laid out, there is there is a lot to be said for sticking around, continuing to dominate, and assuring yourself an NCAA tournament bid every single year. Yeah, um, like I, I made the argument for why you should at least consider not moving. But the reasons to move are obvious as well. It, 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 money, and then, um, you know, do you get bored with this if you're Mark Few? Like, I think there's something about Mark who would like to spend, and I don't want to speak for him, but I think there's something about Mark who would be intrigued to spend a week in February playing at Iowa State and then at home against Kansas. Exactly. As opposed to going to Pacific and then bringing Pepperdine into the kennel. Like, it's almost like, and I say this as respectfully as I can say it, you know, once, once they get to that WCC schedule, particularly with BYU on the way out, you know, outside of St. Mary's, it's like you're playing Mario Kart on the lowest level. At some point that gets boring. That's rough. It gets boring. I wouldn't go that level, but I hear what you're saying. I know. Like at some point it's like, you know what, let's take it up to level. Let's take it up a level and see if at least make this interesting, you know? And I, 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 there's something to be said for that, uh, you know. So, I'm with you. I think in five years they will not be in the West Coast Conference. They'll say, we're, "We know we're risking something by leaving, but we're willing to risk it for more." Maybe that's it. Are you really willing to risk something for more? And I, I think that's the that's the rationalization for doing it. If you do it, we know we're risking something. We're not foolish. But we have maximized what we can be in this league. We want to try to be more. And this is our way to do it. And ultimately, I think that's where they will land. And you'll find them, whether it's the Big 12, Pac-12, Big East, who could say for sure. But I do think you will see them in a different league five years from now. And it'll be rooted in their desire to, to want to, to 
to do more. Let's get out of here on this. Favorite Mario Kart N64 racing track. The one that's uh well I play on I play on Nintendo Switch. I do. I, I don't. I now I don't have a switch. Although I've been, I've been told. Don't buy them. They break. No, 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 listen to me. Listen the kids to me. will I, break them. No, no, no. Over not, and over. You again. think I'm going to allow my kids to know I have one of these things at their ages? Not a chance in hell. I've been told that that they're trying to bring uh, GoldenEye to Switch, and then like you can play with with. I, that might get me to do it. So I don't have one now. But my question is: Does the Switch have the original Mario Kart levels on it? Yes, I believe so. Okay. But I might know. be unfamiliar, but 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 it has. Here, here's my answer to the question: okay. There is an Excite Bike track. Oh man, well that's on the Mario Kart for Nintendo Switch. It looks like you're playing Excite Bike, but you're playing Mario Kart. All right, that's not a traditional one. I'm going to give you my top three. My top three. I googled it real quick. Bowser's Castle. Love me some Bowser's Castle. Wario Stadium. Everyone knows the the shortcut, right? You get the boost. You hop over. You hop over the hop over the fence. You eliminate half the track, big time stuff, and then Donkey Kong's Jungle Parkway. I think that's my favorite one. DK DK's Jungle Parkway through the jungle over the bridge. Love it. I don't Dude. retain stuff like this. Like I couldn't oh, name man. Ninja Turtles. This I can't is name forever tracks. embedded in my mind. Are you kidding me? I don't retain things like that. Come on. I don't can retain. I, much, can I add something to this? Let's hear yep, um, yep. You. This may help aid you in buying a switch and just hiding the the switch from your kids there's about 50 additional tracks now so everything retro has been remastered recently and added to these so so yeah there's about 60 tracks Ooh. you just have to buy the expansion pass and it's like 20 bucks so now you're familiar with the excite bike track oh very much so i love it now hold on can you guys you both you both have Nada, you have a switch i do Okay, could could you race GP on your switches like later today? Is that is that something that you can I think do? That is something you could do. Yes, that is something I could do. I have to go find my. I loaned out my copy of Mario Kart Eight, but yes, I we could theoretically. All right, here's what's here's what's got to happen. I got to try and expense a Nintendo Switch through CBS, and then we're gonna have a podcast race between the three of us to see who rules all of Mario Kart. Now, I, I my kids stopped playing Mario Kart, which means I stopped playing Mario Kart. Like the only time I, I was never really just sitting up by myself playing Mario Kart. I play with my kids. It was something to do with my kids, mm-hmm. and they don't now. They're on Fortnite. They, they're right. Fortnite. They got no interest. They're yeah. Fortnite. Yeah, I'm not trying to play Fortnite, but they're on Fortnite nonstop. But the Nintendo Switch is a problem just for parents out there. And by the way, if Nintendo ever becomes a sponsor of the Island College Basketball, probably just forget all of this. <laughs> just forget I said any of this stuff. The Nintendo Switch is awesome in this when it's when 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 things are going well. The problem is the little games, I mean, they are tiny. They're like nothing. Okay, okay so you're gonna lose those. <laughs> All right. I mean, it's like it's you like a, a bug. Yep. It's smaller than a stamp. That's what the games are. All right. So you're losing those. And 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 by you're losing those, I mean your five-year-old is 100 percent losing those. Doesn't matter if you say, I actually have all the games. I keep them in my desk. And the, the little guys have to come to me and trade out games like I'm an old blockbuster or something. I, I don't just let them handle it because those will be gone. But we still lose them. Even as I do that, we still lose them. And then the problem becomes you can t- take the controllers, actually connect them to the switch. You don't just play it on the TV. You can play it anywhere, like on a right. plane, in a car. Well, you connect those controllers and it's fine. Until your kid gets mad, he just got shot in Fortnite, and he, uh, you bent, you know, 
Yeah. At least my kids, they'll get mad and they'll, they'll, you know, put pressure on the, I cannot tell you how many, first off, we have owned three Nintendo switches. Here we go. We have three of them. And at this point, only one of them still works perfectly. One's done. And the other is like a little sketchy. And we got one that still works good. And I bet we have gone through 20 controllers. They, they break. If you drop that, and a five-year-old will drop it, and an eight-year-old will throw it, the controllers just break off. But then like part of the controller is still connected to the Nintendo Switch. The other part's broken off. And you got to take it to a store to get them to... It's a mess, man. I'm saying the smartest thing to do, if you got little guys, get a console that like it's connected to TV. You got controllers. If you want to play it, you got to play on this TV. You can't drag it around with you everywhere because it just gets broken. It's crazy. Can I add something else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. By all means, they have wired controllers for the uh, Nintendo Switch. They're like fifteen bucks. All right, I'll I'll look into this. I don't know if I need to. I, I never play video games. So you can take the never. Nintendo Switch and play on the little Nintendo Switch with a wired controller. You could. Yeah, that's what we need to do then. Because okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm about $1,000 in on these controllers. You're not getting this kind of analysis on IARP cases, conference realignment, and, and video game intel anywhere else. Anywhere else. Me- if I do get one, I want to I wanna, you, me, and not in a three-way. Don't get me don't get me started on how many V how much money I spent on V Bucks. Holy God. The old Disney deal. It's just you gotta my kids tell me they need V Bucks to buy new skins. Oh yeah, that's I'm out to launch on that. I don't Yeah, like hey, but they got a new LeBron James skin skin, a new Travis Scott skin. I'm like, so we got we gotta get more V Bucks. Uh, my uh we can get out of here, by the way. Uh, we are going long. My my older son um, he's got a couple kids in his class who are into Pokemon cards, which I think is like Magic the Gathering for this generation. So oh, that's yeah, his, yeah, we've got Pokemon, we cards, Pokemon cards on Halloween. Like the a guy a, a gave out candy, was like, "You want a few Pokemon cards?" This was like three houses we went to. This is now a thing. So that he's more into that, and I'm like, "We got that. We're into that too." Fortnite on the Nintendo Switch and Pokemon cards. That's what's that's what's that's the rage around this house these days. All right, shout out, so, Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck and Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Iron College Basketball Podcast. If you have a Nintendo Switch, be careful. That's all I'm saying. Be careful. They're um, they're 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 brittle. You, you do some damage to them. Be careful. If you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You're over at Apple. Leave a nice review. Type some words. Five stars and type some words. There's more of us than there are of them. That 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 Louisville case from many years ago just highlights that. And so we need that to be reflected in the comments. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. And we're gonna talk to you again real soon. Real soon. Oh boy. We got. Hey, listen. Barring any news, no, we got a good one coming for you. That's all I'm saying. Get ready for the first day of the season on Monday. We got something good coming for you. We'll talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care.